What we're going to do with college basketball is we're going to teach you how to bet the NCAA tournament. You don't start uh, betting the NCAA tournament, rolling up to the casino in the sports book on Thursday morning, and you start filling out teams. You start really right now, like a month before, right after uh, the Super Bowl. Now, I have an MBA, securities, licenses, clients, and that worth $50 million. So every single uh, podcast and every single wager is a process, the same way you pick a security, uh, same way you make a decision, decision science, same way you choose an investment. It's the same way you bet a college basketball game or a NFL football game. It's the same process and you have to have rules. You have to have a code. In the episode notes are the top 10 rules of betting and really for the NCAA tournament, that's where it really started with me, the NCAA tournament where I had an epic run in 2011, uh, paid for a lot of bills, a lot of vacations, a lot of things that run in subsequently 25 years of, of narrowing it down to the sports betting processes and rules and code, right? That makes money consistently, all right? So uh, we get lied to a lot, right? We don't believe in uh, the Easter Bunny or Santa Claus. So polls, rankings, all of that stuff are lies. None of them are real. And I'll get into detail a little bit, but. All right, so if you're the toughest, smartest person in any particular room, you are in the wrong room. That's why we got Scott with us to break down the NCAA tournament. This is going to be part two or three part series as uh, similar to college football. Everything's different this year for college basketball. What are your first thoughts, Scott? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I mean, I have the odds up right in front of me. I'm looking at them next to me on, on a sheet from the wind. Right. And there, there is not really a overwhelming favorite this year's tournament. So it's gonna, there's gonna be a lot of teams that are gonna be very, very good this year for betting purposes. I think so. Right. And what I've noticed is the lines have not adjusted. It's, I don't know what they're trying to do. Maybe some corporate people are getting in there using some analytics and historical numbers. Which you know what? It's just common sense. Historical numbers don't work because this is a new team. 
You know, Michael Jordan doesn't play for North Carolina anymore. He hasn't played for 30 years. They have the same system, which we'll get into uh, today. Uh, but uh, it's not the same players, so you can't have the same lines. And in college basketball, uh, same to football, but I think a little bit more in college basketball, you're looking at uh, the difference between what the line is and who's going to win the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? And then you're looking at that six-point margin, which is two three-pointers, which you see a lot, which uh, I, I've been noticing a lot. There's, there's a six-point line in the Big West today. Uh, today we're recording this uh, February the 20th on Monday. Uh, two lines, and they both seem really weird because I've been watching these teams play. Maybe the bookmakers have not been watching the Big West because they're tough to watch, even for somebody like me that wants to watch them, right? Versus people on the East Coast trying to build Big West games and hadn't seen these kids at the grocery store, right? So, <laughs> so last week we talked about... Uh, in general, from a you know thirty thousand feet perspective, on uh, how to bet the NCAA tournament, which is different than betting the regular season, which is different than betting the conference tournament and the NCAA tournament. We'll give you all of them, but the focus is on the NCAA because that's the most fun and that's the one I, <clears throat> I made the most money. So we'll make this a reaction podcast, as uh, we'll be done in about nineteen minutes. Uh, but we'll get Scott's reaction. This is my process. This is uh, part two of a three-hole process. Now, Scott's process might be a little bit different. It might be better. He might have some nugget that might improve my process. Uh, and this is not a cult. <laughs> so it's okay to disagree with each other. <laughs> All right. So uh, the first maxim I have is that... Uh, I noticed this in basketball with the Chicago Bulls, right? The 80-20 rule. Usually, 80% of your points come from two guys. Now, bigger still, like in the NBA, in higher level Division One college basketball, two guys derive the most value. So value means maybe he has a knack for offensive rebounds, Maybe he's a great passer, maybe he's a great defender, great shooter. But two guys on that team are going to give you 80% of the value. So whether it's the NFL draft, NBA draft, or college basketball recruiting on a high level, every guy has a number attached to him. Whatever that number is, and it's different every coach, every board is different. Uh, Orlando's making a trade and they accidentally took a picture of their board. When they found out it's a trade, now everybody had a picture of what number numerical value they had to a player in, in draft picks. Uh, and it was different for everybody else. And everybody's like, oh, okay, now we know why Orlando loses all the time. Their, their numbers are whacked. So just because it's an NBA team or a high-level college basketball team does not necessarily mean that uh, it's a valid number. So that's why you have to come up with your own number and track it. What are your first thoughts on that, Scott? I agree. I mean, I'll give you the perfect example. Look up here in the Northeast at the Celtics. It's Tatum Brown, and then a third guy mixes in usually with that. So right. what, I'm, what I'm starting to look at now is overall stats for the season, and I'm going through um, top four teams in each conference. Right. 
and I'm looking at the guys that score the most, the top two scorers are the two guys that are usually the most explosive on that team. So that's that's what I'm looking at with some of these teams. Who are your top who are your top scorers? Who are your top two scorers? How many times have they led the team in scoring throughout the season? And I'm, and I'm charting that to go with, um, you know, to get ready for the NCAA tournament. So that, that's right. what I'm looking at. So I agree, I agree with you 100%. I think usually you look at the top two scorers, they're going to be the two guys that are most explosive for their teams offensively. But you got to look at, let's say, where the Hoya Paranoia days, right? The guy that gave him the most value was your lockdown defender. Absolutely. So it might be a lockdown defender, just depending on what the coach's philosophy is. I know Mick Cronin wants to win with defense, right? Some right. coaches want to win a national title with defense. Baylor did it, you know, some teams do it. Uh, not my preferred because it's boring basketball. But you got to look at that when you're um, betting the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and right? I haven't gotten into the defensive stuff yet, which I will probably in the next week but I'm, I'm just looking at offensive right now and and as we'll probably talk about during this philosophies too right. and what what teams are doing so um, that's that's my that's my initial run is top two scores top three scores on each team that, that I think will make the tournament so right so you have you have three different types of coaches out there you have guys that all they want to do is win the regular season title. Because they feel that's the most control they have. They feel they, they can make it to the Swift 16. After that, it's pure luck. So what they can control is the regular season. Bill Self has been like that for a year. He got criticized. But the man has won two national titles. So the way to look at it, right? Uh, I remember listening to a speech by Bobby Bowden. He said, you know, and I'm paraphrasing the numbers so people get an idea. So numbers are huge in this, not just knowing who's going to win. And I get this from Bill Harrington, who owned four car dealerships, big ones, up there in your neck of the woods, in, uh, you know, Mass, in New Hampshire, and Vermont. He told me, Josh, know the numbers and you don't know everything, right? And he's an independently wealthy guy, so I was going to listen to what he, Bill Harrington had to say. Know the numbers, Josh, and you will know everything. So when you're looking at the numbers, right, each player has a number attached to them. So the coach, like Bill Self, all they care about is the, the uh, conference title, the Big 12 title. That's why he's won like 14 of them, two national titles. But back to Bobby Bowden. Bobby Bowden said, listen, college football, right, has been played, being played by 150 years of college football. There's only been 54 head coaches who've ever won a national title. Same thing for college basketball. Look at how many titles Krzyzewski's won. Uh, Coach Cal, has he gotten one? Sort of. He sort of got one. He got vacated or whatever. Uh, Mick Cronin hasn't won any. You know, there's a lot of great coaches gotten to the Final Four, has not won any. Izzo, right, as great as a coach Izzo is, been coaching 40 years, he won one because of Mateen Cleves. Uh, you know, the, the Flintstones, right? Because they had like four guys from, from Flint, Michigan, and they call them the Flintstones. That was an exciting team. He had a great team, great coach, they won it all. But very few coaches win it all. 
or can win it all, or have enough depth that we get into to win it all. So some coaches want a regular season. Some coaches just want to win the conference title, right? That's your Bruce Pearl. Bruce Pearl, all he wants to do is win it because that's what he did in Milwaukee. That's what he did uh, wherever he was at. Now he's at Auburn. All he cares about is the SEC uh, conference title. Does it mean that he's going to win the conference title? No. But it means he'll cover and make a run in the conference tournament. What are your thoughts, Scott? Right. Okay. And why is that? Because they're very well coached. Those coaches uh, put don't put an emphasis. Those coaches just say, "Let's go out. We're gonna play the same way as we played during the regular season in the NCAA tournament," and they're successful in the in the conference tournament. So, um, is if you look at a, you know, you look at any twelve to sixteen seed. Right. What they basically will do is put an emphasis on winning the conference tournament. And then they'll get in the NCAA tournament against one of the so-called Kansases, Texas, right. whatever it may be. And if they're in the game in the first time out after the halftime, they'll basically then put an emphasis on going and winning that game. Right. They have to fall into winning that game. They don't go out actively look to win it. They have to fall into it. And if they're in the game, that's when they go win it in the NCAA tournament. And that's generally what you see. If, team, if, if the quote-unquote lower seed is in the game at halftime and into the third, into the, I said third quarter, but 16-minute mark in the second half, then they'll go win the game. But until then, they won't go win the game. They'll, they'll just play their game, and if they're in it, then they win it. So. Right, so... Uh, some coaches want to win the regular season title. Some want to win the conference title. Some, like let's say a Jamie Dixon at TCU, he wants to win the first game. Some want to get out of the first weekend. And then you have maybe back to the 80-20 rule. So when you look at the top 25 teams, there's five teams that, remember, life is uncertain, right? Life's uncertain and chaotic. So what I'm saying is they are, uh, let's say, five teams that start the season and say the coach is looking at practice and says, you know what, we got the numbers. We can go ahead and we can go ahead and make plans to win a national title. So what does that mean, right? You look at Hubert Davis, what he did last year. Uh, he did not win the conference title. He did not win the regular season title. What he did was keep his team fresh for the NCAA tournament. Exactly. And they go win the NCAA tournament. So you have to identify that, right? So you you bet against North Carolina early, and you bet for them late. Yeah, because when you, when you think about these conference tournaments, there's some coaches that look at it and say, you know what, we really need the rest. Right. We really, we're, we're already in the tur- NCAA tournament. Right. We so we're not going to win this tournament. We're going to lose the first game or the second game. Right. And then we're going to go get our, our 16 days of rest. Right. And North Carolina was a perfect example of that last year. Right. They didn't win it. Right. They, uh, and they just, they just got their rest, and all of a sudden they get on a roll in the NCAA tournament, and they played really well, and they won it. 
so that's that's the whole thing with that. So. And it's, they planned it, right? Because North Carolina's won so many national titles. They know exactly the numbers they need in the tournament to go ahead and uh, and win the tournament, right? So, hey, listen, in North Carolina also, Roy Williams and Dean Smith, Hubert Davis has Roy Williams. Right. Those are guys that you can't measure enough in, in the college game and say tournament how valuable their input is to you. Because so. they've seen everything, and believe me, uh, Roy Williams is still coaching that team. Uh, you saw him on the sidelines. He might not be the official coach, but these guys, after a while, talk about Bobby Brown. None of these guys do actual coaching. They coach the coaches. Right? Yeah. So he's coaching Hubert Davis. Uh, and, man, he won a lot of titles. Uh, Roy Williams. Oh, yeah. No, and he's in the guy that's coaching Indiana now played for him, even though Bobby Knight's you know can't talk anymore. Uh, he he can he can still he can still uh, communicate right on a phone call or whatever what he needs because his mind's still sharp. His speech is is sort of messed up. All right, so the last five minutes will close with this. Uh, when you're watching a game, right? Because you're doing what I'm doing, right? That's why we do so well in the NCAA tournament. We're taking notes now with two, three weeks away for the tournament. So when I'm watching a game, I'm taking notes. And I'm looking for about five different things, right? Uh, number one, what I'm looking for is when the coach calls a timeout, right? Uh, let me know if you disagree with any of this. Uh, when a coach calls a timeout, like Calipari is great with this, right? Calipari calls timeout. Because Calipari doesn't even coach. He coaches during the game. So if he's calling something a timeout, he saw something, he wants to run a play, they might not even practice that play. But Calipari is going to explain it, going to run that play. And I'm telling you what, 30 years watching John Calipari coach, I've never seen a team come out of a timeout and not have at least a good possession. Most of the time, 80% of the time, they'll score. So you, you, you'll notice that in a coach. Inbounds plays, no matter how much the coach is being hyped by ESPN, how much money he's making, blah, blah, blah. Right? Uh, Agreed. Uh, what's the style of play, right? I call it rec ball. Are they a rec ball team? Rec ball team is a bunch of white guys on the suburbs in a gym passing it around. But then you go play in the hood, right? It's one or two dribbles and the dude's trying to dunk. All he's doing is trying to dunk all day. You know, it's talking about his dunk, getting off the floor, da, da, da. Right? What's the style of play, right? Because rec ball teams are going to go under, and they're going to upset. They might be a rec ball team passing it around 100 times. Uh, they might be getting blown out, but it, it seems close because you're taking so much time, have <laughs> so many possessions, and the better team's getting bored, right? They're already up by 20, and the line's 30, and they're a rec ball team from the Pioneer League. Where you like passing the ball around? Watch out! They might cover. They might cover those big spreads, right? Uh, offensive rebounding and turnovers—they separate them. So when you go on Ken Palm, put them together, right? In in offensive rebounding is the biggest key as anything else. 
Do they have a system for offensive rebounds? Do they have a guy who crashes the board? Oral Roberts, right? I bet Oral Roberts the year before. Made a lot of money on Oral Roberts because he had this one guy, 6'6", white guy, right? You know the stereotypes. None of them are true, right? Because white volleyball players can jump out of the gym. <laughs> but this guy could barely jump, but he had a great knack for offensive rebounds. There's just certain people who just have that knack for the ball, right? Uh, you look at free throw percentage, right? And then is that team where you're watching them going to the left? Both offense and defense, or do they have set plays to go to the left, which is almost an easy score every time? And how good are they on weak side defense and switching? Or do they do drop coverage? Drop coverage zone means they'll do good in the turn. What are your thoughts, Scott? Uh, I'll go from, from end to beginning with this. Right. Uh, what, I, what I called it when I coach is help defense. Right. And that, and that basically is if the ball is in the corner, your office in the corner is in the paint helping on defense. Right. That's number one. And if you see that, that means they're very well coached, fundamentally sound, um, you know, and, and they, have, they have a good defensive philosophy. Because if, if the defender gets driven by, there's somebody out there to step up and stop. And right. defend the key. That's number one. Number two, offensive rebounding is hugely key in my, in my regard. And my, and my thing is, do they send three to the board and drop two back? Right. Four to the board and drop one back. That's a key you have to look at too. Um, and out of bounds plays, huge, huge. Right. I, mean, I, I say, I said it last time. I'll say it again. Doc Rivers with the Boston Celtics was one of the best out of bounds plays coaches I've ever seen. And I stole a couple of his out of bounds plays, basically watching. Them. Well, nice. If you had a Doc Rivers team. You were playing against the NCAA tournament. Just say you were in trouble because everything off a timeout was very, very good and very, very scripted. So, and the last thing I will tell you is this: I watch assistant coaches, especially in conference tournament play. And why do I watch them? Right. I watch them to see if they're running the huddle, if they're inputting any information in the huddle, if the head coach, like Calipari, is giving his assistants. You know, free reign to right. say something in the huddles if they're not running it. So, and Calipari is a very good coach at running offense. If you've ever watched Kentucky, they run very good offense. One point I will tell you, and I'll, I'll close, I'll pretty much close with this. Okay. Any high scoring team that you see in the NCAA tournament playing a team such as Virginia, right? Usually I will bet Virginia. Why? Because high-scoring teams don't have trouble during the regular season against defensive-minded teams. In the NCAA tournament, when they play against a Virginia or a good defensive team, they are going to have a lot of problems because of the fact that they don't know how to, how to run offense against good defensive teams. So watch those things very, very carefully once you get closer to conference tournament and NCAA tournament. Big time, big time. And a team like Virginia, a uh, four-point lead is really a 20-point lead. Absolutely. Because Virginia is suffocating. And they'll just defensive rebound you to death. And they know, and, and Bennett has his kids go to the offensive board in key situations. 
been watching Virginia with Cotton. They're, they're on the ACC with Boston College, so I've watched them. Nice. And I'm, I'm, I like them a lot. And then, yeah, during our, our NCAA podcast, you will be the ACC expert when ACC yeah. game pops up. Yeah, so, so a team like that, if Virginia plays Houston, Houston's going to have a lot of problems because they score, and they've had it easy in their conference. The conference is very, very easy again, you know, for them. But when they play a Kansas, a Virginia, they'll have a lot of problems with those teams because of the fact defensive-minded teams tend to shut down offensive-minded teams. And I'll give you another team. Texas has scored a ton of points this year. Okay? They're another team that I would watch against a defensive-minded team where they will not score. Right. They'll be favored by 15. They won't score. Right. And uh, we'll close with this. Uh, NBA coaches versus NCAA types coaches. Because Ralph Sampson, uh, you know, Penny Hardaway types, Calipari, they coach in the NBA. They can make adjustments on the fly, things they have never practiced, and explain it to the guys and have them run a play, which that puts them in the high, high, high uh, level uh, coaching, right? Uh, right. So that that's going to be huge. So. And, and I will tell you this on that front. If Zagor until they lost in the NCAA tournament, who gave them their toughest game? Memphis. Right. Who coaches Memphis? Penny Hardaway uh, and Larry Brown. Yeah, and I've seen and I've seen Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament, and I'm telling you, uh, he's a great coach, great program, great players. But man, and you know, some guys like Gizzo only win it once, but for the most part, Gonzaga does not cover the second day because they only play seven guys, which is crazy. Why only play seven guys? All right, final words, Scott. Another great podcast in the short spurt, so a lot of information. Jump off right after this. Um, you know, people should should be taking a lot of notes on these first two podcasts. Big time. And the third podcast will will just be another note taking, getting ready for the same term. Yesterday selection Sunday is three weeks away now, so it's right. coming. It's coming very quickly. So you got to you got to be ready to place those bets because the first game start legitimately. 96 hours after Selection Sunday hits. So, right. And Bracketology, don't listen to Bracketology. They're only clutter your mind. They'll talk about teams that aren't even in there. Don't look at the AP or UPI poll. Look at none of the polls. Vegas has its own poll, the power ranking. Don't look at that. Take your own notes. Well, because, because before we close, yeah. when you look at, at Josh, is being on Pac-12 betting, he's highly successful. But, Exactly, the best conference right. in, the, in the United States. So, UCLA and Arizona have decided to manage in that conference because of that. When they go to the insane tournament, don't be surprised if one of those two teams loses very early because. Well, UCLA's not going to get covered because UCLA wants to win a title with defense. And I've seen this movie before with Ben Holland. He went to the Final Four three times in a row. This is a demanding market. So you don't have to pay action sports a thousand dollars. There's a lot of people charging a lot of money for the NCAA tournament, and they're not giving you the depth of knowledge we have. The podcast maybe twenty minutes, but Scott coached for thirty years. I've been watching you, right? Uh, and I play high level high school basketball uh, for forty years. So seventy years, right? Compressed into twenty minutes. 
That's why you get a lot of, and we only give you information that we actually use as a tool to move money in our pockets, to buy things. And like Winston Churchill said, you make your living from your labor, but you make your life from what you give. Thank you for listening to the ESPC podcast. All right, cool. Sorry, I got you five minutes late.